This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who've tuned in to watch today, and, and may I thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in And we want you to stay tuned today as we discuss this biblical subject to the glory of God, to the glory of God. Please stay tuned. Now, today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we are continuing to offer a free Bible correspondence course. And I I want to tell you, this is free. I know sometimes people say something is free. It's really not when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it. But this is free. And we want you to have it, and we're going to pause so you can learn more about the course, so you can learn how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. Today we're going to be reading out of the sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah. We're going to read possibly the first eight verses of this chapter. And in this chapter, we want to learn something about glorifying God. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and and your iniquity is taken away, and, and your sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me. There are some biblical texts that almost defy human comment. For for example, Genesis 1 and 1 is a verse like that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a verse that really doesn't need anyone to comment on it because it's so understandable and clear. And then you think about the Psalms 23 that begins like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What a beautiful, beautiful psalm that is. And then the 53rd Psalm, which is a depiction of the suffering servant of humanity, Jesus, 
that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, and that chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. And then what about what some refer to as the golden text of the New Testament, John 3.16? Does it really need human comment? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. The text that we have under consideration today is such a text. It really needs no human comment. It, Isaiah chapter 6, in all probability, was Isaiah's official call to the prophetic office. There are three things we want to learn from this text today as we discover and discuss the theme, To God be the glory. Now, the first thing we want to notice is that man must look up to God. He must look up to God. Isaiah begins the chapter by saying it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. It is thought that Isaiah had free access to the court of Uzziah. And in all probability, he did. And he said it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. It is a case sometimes that people do not look up to the Lord until there's some tragic thing to happen in their lives. And then they look up to the Lord. He said it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord high and lifted up upon his throne and his train fill the temple. Ought not the Lord fill the temple of our lives? And he said that he saw the seraphim. And each one of those seraphim had six wings. Now with two of those wings, they would cover their face, suggesting reverence. With two of those wings, they would cover their feet, suggesting humility. And with two of those wings, they would fly, perhaps suggesting their service. And the seraphim began to cry one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And indeed, God is holy. And indeed, the glory of God fills the whole earth. In Psalms 19.1, the Bible says, the, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. God is holy. You know, Peter in 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be holy, for I am holy. And God is a God of holiness. Let, the, the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all of the earth keep silence before Him. Habakkuk chapter 2 and in verse 20. And the heavens and the earth declare His holiness. They declare His glory. We see the glory of God in the beautiful sunrise. We see the glory of God in the sunset. We see the glory of God in the bright moon shining above. We see the glory of God in the stars twinkling in the sky like little diamonds at night. 
We see the glory of God in the, in the oceans of the world. We see the glory of God in the majestic mountains. We see the glory of God in the rolling fields, in the valleys, in the plains. We see the glory of God in the face of just a little baby that has just come into this world. Folks, God's glory is all around us. It's all around us. But unfortunately, some people do not see the glory of God. In Romans 1, beginning of verse 19, Paul said, That which may be known of God has been manifest unto them, because he showed it unto them. But for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they were without excuse. But when they knew him as God, they glorified him not as God, They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. You see, some people never see the glory of God. God has manifested his glory to man. His invisible things are manifested to man. There is absolutely no excuse for an individual rejecting God and refusing to glorify Him. There are those that have done that. There are those that are doing that. And yet many today refuse to glorify God because God is God. We are to glorify Him. Because of who He is, we are to glorify Him. And we glorify God in so many different ways. One of the ways we glorify God is in the New Testament church. Unto Him be glory in the church throughout all ages, world without end. Ephesians 3, verse 21. We glorify God in letting our Christian lights shine. And in the darkened world in which we live, the way to put out the darkness is to turn on the lights. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And there it gives light to all the house, and we can give light to all the world. We we glorify God by letting our Christian light shine. And then in verse 16, he says that we let our light shine. He said, men will see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. You see, the letting of our light shine is not to draw attention to me, to you, but to draw attention to God. We want to change the world. We want more people to begin to look to God. We need to start glorifying God with our lives. We glorify God the good deeds that we do. We glorify God in our bodies. In 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 and 20, Paul said, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? 
You're bought with a price. See, therefore, because you've been bought with a price, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We glorify God in this body. By the way that I live in this body, I glorify God. By the way that I try to take care of this body, I glorify God. About two hours before I began taping this program, to be seen on Getting to Know Your Bible, I wasn't sitting in a recliner. I wasn't uh, sitting around drinking a cup of coffee, relaxing. I was exercising and working out so that I could keep this temple of God in better condition as I get older. We glorify God in our bodies. We need to take care of our bodies. And we glorify God in our body, the way we live and the way we conduct ourselves. We glorify God by the fruit that we bear. In John 15, 8, Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified. God is glorified when we bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples indeed. And so everything we do, everything I do in this life should be for one reason and one reason only. And that's to glorify God. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul said, Whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Everything I do should be to God's glory. Every sermon I preach should be to glorify God. Every deed that I do should be to glorify God. Everything about my life is for God's glory. And here is the reason. The spotlight is on God. The spotlight is on God. He is God. And we are to reflect the glory of God in our lives. He's a God of glory. And when we look at the heavens above, they reflect His glory. And when people see our lives, they ought to, we ought to reflect in our lives the glory of God to others. Let me ask you a question. Why do the planets exist? Is it so people can just look at them through a telescope? Is it so men can spend billions of dollars trying to get to them in outer space? They exist to glorify God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Why do we have money? We say we have money to pay bills. Is that right? I suggest to you we have money and God allows us to have money. You see Deuteronomy 8.18 says God is the one who gives us the power to get wealth and we have money so that we can honor God with it. In Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9, honor the Lord with your substance. With the first fruits of all of your increase, so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. We, we have money that we might use it to glorify God. And we glorify God when we support our families. We glorify God when we support good works and good deeds. We glorify God when we are good stewards or caretakers of that which has been entrusted into our care. Everything we do in life should be to glorify God. When we, why do people assemble on Sunday morning in a worship service? 
Is it because they have nothing else to do? Is it because they're the ones that are able to get up on an early Sunday morning and others like to sleep? Why is it that we assemble to worship on Sunday morning? Is it just to give a man that we call the preacher about 30 minutes of our time so he can talk to us out of the Bible? Why is it that we worship on Sunday morning? And I suggest to you that we assemble to worship to give glory to God, to honor Him, to glorify Him, to praise His holy name. And I would be afraid to fail to glorify God of heaven. Now think about it. To God be the glory. Now if God is to receive the glory, that means that I do not receive any of the glory. If God is to be glorified, if the spotlight is to be on God, and it is, then that means that I do not receive the glory. We live in a pretty egocentric world. We, we live in a world that revolves around the individual. It's all about me. It's all about my rights. It's all about my body. It's all about what I want to do. It's all about this, all about that. And it all revolves around the individual. And that's such a selfish spirit. An egocentric spirit. But may I remind us all, nothing. Nothing, nothing is about me. It is all about God. And now in our day, men need to be reminded. We all need to be reminded to look up, to see the Lord, and to honor and to glorify God in our lives. Isaiah said it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I, I saw the Lord. But then Isaiah looked inside after he saw the Lord. Isaiah started looking at himself. And he said down in verse 4, the most of the, after the seraphim had cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. The post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I'm undone. Folks, we are all undone without the Lord, aren't we? We're done for without the Lord. In John 15 and 5, Jesus said, Without me you can do nothing. Without the Lord we can do nothing. Without the Lord we can accomplish very, very little. Without the Lord we can be nothing. We're undone. Isaiah said, I am undone. I am undone. Isaiah now sees himself. And he said it was painful for him to see what he saw. He said, woe is me. And he saw his sinful life. He said, I'm a man in the midst of an unclean world. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. 
It almost sounds pretty modern, modern, does it not? He said, I'm undone. He saw his sinful life. He saw his sinful lips. And then in verse 7, there was a seraphim that came. And he took a, a, a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from off the altar with a pair of tongs. And he laid that live coal upon the mouth of the prophet. And this is what he said to him. This has touched your lips. And your iniquity is taken away. And your sin is purged. You see, he had his sin forgiven. He acknowledged he was a sinful man. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And, the, and then the seraphim said, your sin is purged, it's taken away. You know, David felt a great need for cleansing. Now David is described as a man after the heart of God, after God's own heart. But, but David had feet made out of clay. And David was tempted beyond his ability to resist on one occasion. And he sinned. And he cried out to God and he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. He felt the need for cleansing. And folk, our, our hearts need to be purified. Our souls need cleansing. And the only way that we can have cleansing today is through Jesus' blood. Zechariah 13, 1 says, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And that fountain where, where cleansing is found is from the, in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that flows from Calvary. In small talking about His blood, Himself, Jesus said in Matthew 26, 28, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. So our sins can be forgiven, cleansed, washed away in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Your past sins can be washed away. They can be cleansed. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord, Acts twenty two sixteen. So all your sins can be washed away. And once your sins are washed away, if you walk in the light as, G as, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. We just stay clean in that blood every day. I may be talking to someone who's a member of the Church of Christ at one time was faithful to the Lord. But for some reason or other, you got out of the light. You're no longer walking in the light. And I'd encourage you to get back in the light because as long as we're walking in that light, we have the constant cleansing, cleansing of our sins every day 
of our lives. There's power. There's power in the blood. No, it's not all about me. When we, when we realize it's not all about me, that it's all about God, about God receiving glory from man, that ought to cause every one of us to look inward. We ought to start looking in our hearts and examining our own hearts. You know, Paul said, examine yourselves whether you're in the faith, prove your own selves. Now take heed to yourselves, Acts 20, 28. Let a man examine himself, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. 28. We ought to look within. Are we giving God the glory He deserves? Are we really, really giving Him the glory He deserves? Honoring Him? Praising Him, loving Him, respecting Him, adoring Him, worshiping Him. That's what it really means to give God the glory. I love that verse in the 95th Psalm, verse 6. It says, let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. That's giving God the glory. But you see, I have to get rid of myself first. Thinking is all about me. And the man who glorifies God then will start looking outside himself to see what he can do to help other people glorify God. You see, there, the question was asked in verse 8, Now, whom shall I send who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. So I, Isaiah volunteered to do what God needed to have done. He said, use me. And he asked the question, now how long, Lord, do I need to do this? And he's told down in verses 10 and 11, until there's not a soul left. And until there's one person on this earth that needs Jesus, we need to look outside of ourselves to what we can do to help others. I want to thank you for watching Getting to Know Your Bible today. And I'd urge you to, to look up to God and look inside say, what about my relationship with Him? Is it what it ought to be? And once you have a right relationship, then you're in a position to go out to help other people learn to glorify God. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1 877 711 5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.